0: It's the Braincast! Braincast! The Pop break Dot!
1: Welcome to TV Break, the TV podcast of the Pot Break family. My name is Alex. I am the TV editor over at Pot Break, and I am joined here today by our fearless leader, Bill, the editor-in-chief of the site. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? Oh, hello, sir. How are you on this lovely January evening? I'm doing great. i'd rather be cold than hot so this is great for me <laughs> um, and i'm also joined here today by our newly minted tv columnist for the site josh how are you doing today josh
2: i'm doing all right you know the packers are getting destroyed but you know i'm bouncing back
1: that's <laughs> all well, you can ask for i guess um <laughs> at least you made it to the playoffs right Truth. <laughs> so today we're going to be trying out a little new format for the tv podcasts uh uh, we're going to start out by talking about the best thing that we saw on TV this month. Then we're going to move into a discussion of some headlines and follow up with a Streaming Wars news update. And finally, uh, settle on a new show spotlight for the HBO limited series The Outsider, which debuted last week. Uh, so I want to kick things off over to you, Josh. What was the best thing you saw on TV this month?
2: I will admit I haven't watched too much this month. Um, but the most interesting thing I watched, I'm not sure if I would say best, but the most interesting thing I watched was the, um, the big crossover on the CW for all of their Aeroverse shows, um, the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Have either of you heard of that?
1: Yes. Yes. I'm actually writing about it for the site. <laughs> oh, sweet. Uh, yeah, so we've I've covered I covered the entire lead up to it all fall. And uh I just caught up with this final conclusion, uh the last two episodes of it that debuted about a week ago. Uh-huh. Uh what did you think about it?
2: It was very comic booky, which is good. I, I think that is the, the, the best thing about it. Um I I fell off the, the Airverse bandwagon a few years ago, so I haven't watched consistently since like like season five of arrows season three of flash and so there's a bunch of things where i had no idea what was going on and had no idea who some of these characters were but just the the best part about it was how many references it made to other things to like all the cameos and references were just so like definitely fan service but in the best possible way i think um in the end like the the bad guy was kind of dumb and the whole plot was pretty silly but just the the idea of throwing all of these characters together is always great like they've got such great dynamics and i don't know i i really appreciate how far into it they went because if you think of um like avengers infinity war and Endgame as being like the big culmination of those somehow this manages to turn that like in, in sheer scale like it's on another level which is ridiculous. So, I I overall enjoyed it. Not definitely not perfect, but it was it was fun, I thought. What did you think of
1: it? Well, this is actually the best thing that I saw on TV this month, too, because as you said, this month of January is a little bit slow when it comes to TV shows. Um oh. and I thought that it was, you know, I agree with a lot of what you said. There's definitely some like fan servicey stuff that like some of it works, some of it doesn't. Some of it's fun, outside of the context of the miniseries, but doesn't actually like, you're like, why are we spending this much time on it for yeah. this specific story? Um, so I thought that there was some unevenness to it. The conclusion kind of was sort of a mixed bag for me. Like the giant, climax in uh, yeah. the, it, which which comes in actually like the end of the first episode of this like of the last two so the arrow episode if you will because the last two episodes were an, an episode from arrow an episode from legend of tomorrow so the arrow episode ended with this like giant climax where oliver queen helped re- kill the anti-monitor and restart the multiverse and it's completely incoherent as to what's happening or why <laughs> it's just like yeah. at one point our heroes just like stand in a line and look up to the sky and it's like I, I guess they helped restart the universe by doing that I don't <laughs> so it's like I don't know some of the things that really needed to work didn't but I like it because like the little like the individual character moments are really good like especially yeah. in the Legends of Tomorrow episode which ended the whole thing I thought that that was a much stronger episode as a whole because it focused it on the Sarah Lance character who's been a character on the show uh, in this universe since season 2 of arrow which was many many years ago and it really like spoke about the fact that she's really lost a lot and had to overcome so much and you really realize how much of this new universe kind of relies on her and supergirl and batwoman and they're kind of like the new core of the of the series uh like of the multiverse which is kind of cool uh for a superheroes franchise so it ended on like a really nice note, but I think like the most important parts of it maybe didn't totally come together as well. I was kind of thinking like, if this was an actual comic book event, you would just be flipping from like one panel to another panel. And then like you'd be having to fill in the gap in between the panels to be like, what happened? Right. And that's how it feels on the show. But a TV show shouldn't feel that way. <laughs> right. So.
2: And that's why I sort of felt comic booky because... I, I'm not huge into comics, but anytime I've gone and picked up any of the uh, the big event comics like Civil War and um, and Marvel, there's always these little small things. And they'll have a little footnote of, go see the issue of Captain America, blah, 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 to, to get more information on this. And I don't have the time or energy to look at that up. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to fly with it. And it felt like that, where it's like, okay, Oliver Queen has a daughter who is like almost as old as he is. That's weird, but okay, I'll go with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny because the show that has become the most, like, irrelevant to the series, to, like, to the whole franchise is Arrow, and you really needed to watch Arrow to follow what was going on in a lot of the the crossover this year. Like, that was yeah. very important to find out, like, how his future daughter existed and, like, what's the deal with the anti-monitor wave and all that kind of stuff like it's it's crazy they spent the entire season like setting everything up right it's sort of like arrow ended last season and then they just extended it for an extra seven episodes just to set up the crossover But i don't think enough people got the memo on that so it didn't i think a lot of people were in your boat Bill, yeah. do you have, like? Did you watch any of this? Did
0: you do you have any oh, I have familiarity thought. with what we're? Talking no, about? I, I well, as the editor in chief of the site and who pretty much sees every piece that comes in, I, I I actually know a lot about all these shows just because I've had to edit all the reviews for them. So, um, <laughs> but it's funny. Uh, I guess talking in a bigger TV dynamic about the CW is, and prior to that, the WB when you both were just. Small babes in swaddling clothes, and I was like a, <laughs> a teenager. Um, because that's the running joke on all these podcasts. I'm the probably one of the oh. oldest people on the site. Old oh, man Bill oh. watched small in middle school. I remember that. Sure, I'm going before <laughs> Smallville bill even was a thing. Um, but I'm talking like how kind of like the WB then CW kind of like go has always been kind of teen to early 20s focused. And, yeah. but it just yeah. shifts genres, like where it was very much like, it was like either it was a dot, da- you were either in the Dawson's Creek vein or you were in the Buffy vein. So it was like, you know, with Charmed and Angel, or it was like One Tree Hill and other things, cause that wasn't my, I watched Dawson Creek probably from like the first season. And then it just went more into like, it was like everything's gonna be like Gossip Girl, cause that was the hot thing. And now it's like, they're firmly entrenched in this uh, universe, like the Arrowverse. Like you could tell, they were making that, and that's become the bread and butter of the CW. And I have to commend them because, like, they they are they're giving a lot of very. It's not just you're Superman and Batman again. It's like they're they're delving into these very rich and very, and some not so rich, but very diverse characters. And we're going to see a lot more coming up, and I think that's pretty cool. So I'm always I'm very and they have and they weave them together. Which I appreciate too, because it's like a lot of it's one of the very few networks that has like a cohesive, like literal universe, and that's the whole channel,
2: right? And it's had to go through so much because Supergirl started off on was it CBS, the C- and they had to bring CW. it on to CW.
0: Well, CBS and CW were in the same like family tree,
2: right? But just that original well, Flash Supergirl crossover was so strange because like the the feel of it was so different because they were filming in different studios and then. Supergirl to change where they shot on location so I mean it, it's amazing how much the CW has really put into it like they've really invested a lot but I mean if they can keep Supernatural running for like a thousand seasons I'm pretty uh, sure like they could do anything
1: literal
0: thousands so that is like the thing that has crossed like br- like bridge the gap between those generations of that, that Buffy lineage to like today like super. it's just Supernatural let's we'll just throw the kid from Gilmore Girl in there and let's have a show yeah, it worked. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it does. I think he's going to be Walker, Texas
1: Ranger. I remember now. when he is. Yeah, he is. They just they ordered that straight to series. Uh, is
0: that's that? A, let me guess. An idea let,
1: that they just can't.
0: Let me guess. That's CBS. <laughs> let me guess. It's on CBS. No, it's CW. CW ordered it. That straight is to series. That is shocking because that's that reeks of CBS. My mom is watching that on a Friday night in between, <laughs> like. The Magnum P.I., Hawaii Five O, and Blue Bloods, and that whole sect. How do I know? Because I was at my mom's house on a Friday night, and that's
1: all she watched. Mm. Yeah, it's a weird departure for the CW. I don't know. Maybe they're hoping to age with their audience a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up on, like, CBS All Access in two years. <laughs> yeah, very true. But uh, So, Bill, what's, something that, what's the best thing that you saw on TV? Well,
0: like a lot of people at the end of December into the beginning of January, I tossed a gun to my witcher. (laughs) Um, Because I, yeah, yeah. You guys, you know I sing on these podcasts. This should not be a shock to anyone. Um, (laughs) We did warn us. (laughs) I I sing, well, since Alex, you're new, I sing the theme song. I literally recorded that in my car, singing that to no music, just music in my head um Ah. so that's a little pull back the curtain there for you um so witcher was a show like a lot of people um was a big post christmas early new year's hit uh because everyone because this holiday season was so weird it was like we had thanksgiving boom right into christmas season everyone's going bananas uh and we had to finish Watchmen and the mandalorian so uh witcher is a it's definitely if you if you loved Game of Thrones and you have if you you have that you know need for high fantasy, swords, play, sex position, uh hyper violence in your life, Witcher's sure is definitely a show you should check out. Um I was not I know it's based off a video game and a book. I I did not read the book. I did not play the video game. Uh but I have to say I think it's a it's a solid series. Henry Cavill plays very against type. If you just know him as Superman, um, he plays just a blood and guts, just badass. Very, you know, short to the point, says the F word a lot, a um, lot of shirtless scenes. So he he he's out there just kicking a lot of ass in this. But it's more than just the... Um, just the you know the the sexy stuff literal and figurative that makes the show a very good series the way they sh- it's it's a beautifully shot um series that has this amazing world it takes a long time to build the world and some of it honestly doesn't make sense until the very final episode but when it all comes together you're like oh this is this is actually pretty damn good and unfortunately the last episode is like tune in next season. You're like, this was all a build to next season. This was almost like a, just a huge prologue to, And now the story begins. Um, but I have to say I was a, I was a big fan of, of the show. It, it definitely kept me for a show that was like, the episodes can be very long or just feel very long. They are, there's a lot of great performance that, that cover everything up. Um, Uh, I'm not going to pronounce her name wrong. Anya uh, Shalotra. She plays this sorceress Yennefer. And she is... Does an amazing performance here. She has to go through a whole physical and uh, character transformation throughout the whole first season. That's just like amazing to watch. She's so good. And a character that's very vague. She's extremely... um, she hooks you in just like because if, if a lesser actress had played this role, you'd be like, this whole storyline, this whole character is a complete train wreck. But she is so captivating that you're like, I want to find out what this is. I'm going to go on the journey with her and the payoff works for sure. This is, like I said, definitely a show you want to see if you're a Game of Thrones fan. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it takes you on a ride because. There's probably in the middle, it gets a little like, okay, this is very monster of the week type deal. But once they get towards the last three episodes, everything really takes off running. And it's definitely got me hooked for a uh, hook for season two. And one of my favorite British character actresses, Myanna Bur- um, Burring, who is on a show called Ripper Street, which I, I watched a lot of. Uh, she's in it and she's fantastic. In it.
1: A gamer. Did you play these games when they were out?
0: No, I am not a gamer. I am a guy who only plays Madden and GTA and fighting games. And usually it's just a, outside of Madden, it's usually a lot of button mashing. Uh, We have talked about Witcher on the site in the video game section. We do have a video game section, if anyone's wondering. And we have talked about this before, and it is a very popular game. But I've actually spoken to people who play the games and read the books, and they're saying that, I didn't really get too much about the story, but Henry Cavill, they're like, is like the perfect casting in every respect. His performance, his look, the way they, the way they've suited him up and white hair and everything. They're like, he is the absolute perfect guy to play this role. No one before him, or no one probably coming after him, can play the role as perfect as he does.
1: Wow. No one seems to be dissatisfied by. Uh, Witcher. Everybody who I talked to who have watched it, it's like it's maybe not the best thing they've ever seen, but it like it hits like the right spot that they like didn't even realize that they were missing. So,
0: that's, a, that's exactly I I that's exactly. which is
1: like perfect for a Netflix show. That's exact. They're designed by computers to do exactly that.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And it, like I said, it's a slow build to that finale. Like the final shot of the last the, the last episode is the one where you're like oh, now the story's beginning. Oh, I want more. And you were just like, man, I thought I was going to punch out of this series at least three times, but it gets you at that final hook. You're like, ah, where's season two? Uh, And the rumor (laughs) is like Mark Hamill is like angling to be a character in it, which I'm all about. Oh,
2: yeah. I definitely heard that is the biggest complaint that the last episode really sets everything up and then it drops it and just says, hey, guess what? You got to wait a whole nother However long for the next part. That and that the the timeline is a little wonky.
0: The timeline is wonky. And I watched this uh, Al Manarino, our managing editor, and I kind of watched it. Like He was a couple episodes behind me. He's like, I don't get how this is happening. I'm like, just let it play out. And when it plays out, it's like, oh, this all makes sense. And when you stop and think about it, you're like, that's actually pretty cool the way they did it. Um, not going to give away what that is. But yeah, there's a, there's a plot device in there that, Ties everything together, and it—you have to be patience is the key with this series. You have to be patient for it to get where it's going, and I think the payoff is
1: worth it. Hmm. Cool. Well, speaking of payoff, that's a great transition point for us to move into headlines. Uh This week, our headline—it's just one because it's the TCA press tour is going on, and there's a million headlines to get through. But I think that the most, the biggest, most important one. Is the announcement of details for the newest entry into the streaming wars, uh, NBC Universal's Peacock streaming service. I don't know if you guys have seen anything about this, uh, but they finally released when it's going to be coming out and also how much it's going to cost and like how their ambitious tiered, uh, services project is going to work. Uh, so I'm going to read briefly from uh, an article from Variety. Nice. it's uh okay. it, so it says uh Peacock, which for those of you who don't know, NBC Universal is creating a a streaming service that's going to be competing with HBO max and Netflix and Hulu and all the rest uh so peacock uh is gonna be offering a free option of about seven hundred uh, or sorry uh seventy five hundred hours of on demand programming and curated streaming channels of Saturday Night Live and other NBC vault shows. Uh, there, that is going to be free with commercials. There is also going to be a premium, uh, package, which is going to cost, uh, $4.99 with commercials or $9.99 without commercials. And that's going to have access to all of their original programming, which is, for instance, Sam Esmail is developing a Battlestar Galactica reboot. There's a new Saved by the Bell. A uh, sequel series where uh, Zach is president. Uh, Zach is governor of California. I oh would gosh. love it
0: if he was the president of the United States. That would be great. No, it uh, has
1: like a weirdly man. serious premise where it's like Zach is the governor of California and he's forcing low income uh, uh, high school to like merge with an with Bayside, and there's going to be like a lot of like racial tension. I'm like, what? Like, why is that the pitch? But okay, fine. Because <laughs> Z-
0: because Zach Morris. Like was such a Republican capitalist character, we just never caught on because everyone who I know who like in real life, who idolized Zach Morris, is like total trump head right now
1: unfortunately what was that he's very much of his era he's a he's a Reagan era teenager, so oh, that makes yes. sense. <laughs> um and then the other thing that they're going to do, which is kind of interesting, is they're going to make there are late night TV shows like uh, a lot like uh, the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon and late night with Seth Meyers available at eight o'clock and nine o'clock PM instead of their usual times in the middle of the night uh, for people who pay for the premium service. Um, so that's what their whole thing is going to be. It's not entirely clear what is going to be offered for the free tier. Uh, it, it's very vague right now. I had like, you know, seven thousand and five hundred hours of programming could mean like literally anything. That doesn't give a lot of information in terms of like what they're pulling from. But yeah, that's like the big thing. And they also announced that uh if you are a Comcast uh subscriber, because Comcast owns NBC Universal, then you get the premium tier for free and you only have to pay four ninety nine a month if you want the premium tier without ads. Just to make it a little bit more confusing for everybody. For and if you are a Comcast subscriber, you get to have access to the service on April fifteenth. And if you don't, you have to wait all the way until July fifteenth of this year. So that's like a huge data dump (laughs) of information.
2: Can you make a diagram for that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll have something up on the site later. But so, like, what do you guys think? Like, I mean, the streaming market is getting very, very crowded. Uh, NBC Universal is really kind of banking on this idea that, like, they could be free and push people into cable subscriptions just so that way they can get you on board. Is that a good pitch? Are you interested?
0: uh, Yes. Josh, do you want to, since you're the learned one of the two of us, do you want (laughs) to go with this first? I didn't realize I was the learned one. Um, I, it sounds
2: desperate. It, it reminds me a lot of how Hulu tried to transition originally. Because Hulu started off and it was all free. And then they gradually found out that, wow, we're not going to make a lot of money doing that. And then they tried doing a mix of free and not free. And then eventually they just said, screw it. And just put everything on you know premiums. So I, I not to be you know, pessimistic about the Peacock, but I feel like it's going to go down that road. And that's really, it's hard for any of these streaming services to really gain any traction unless they've got something really big, big headlining it.
0: Like there's only one thing that's going to be headlining it. It's going to be the office. Yeah. I don't know if that's got, enough.
1: Yeah. And that doesn't actually start until next year. Uh, cause NBC, cause uh, Netflix has it until, uh, through december 2020 so january 2021 is when it'll hit uh peacock yeah so So that they're also they're also trying they're also saying that they'll have a lot of like news content and a lot of like they have their sports contracts with with like the olympics and football and they're going to have a lot of content with that as well they keep saying that they're going to try to find a way to incorporate live programming into the streaming service which seems like the kind of thing that people talk about in boardrooms and then never actually happens, but you know, that's what they're trying to say. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It just seems like it's like if Disney plus came out without the Mandalorian attached to it, like it just, you need to have something to draw people in. Otherwise it's just, okay, great. Now what do I do with this?
1: Yeah.
0: I, so what they really should be pushing here, I mean, first off, I think it's uh, that if the Peacock and HBO Max are both very confusing. Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, what they're all because um, tangent for two seconds, Alex. Barber. So I, I'm a big wrestling guy. So there's a, a promotion that's on TNT called All Elite Wrestling. They just got re-upped for three uh, up till 2023, which was huge news in the wrestling world. But they're offered a second series. So me and a bunch of people I know were talking about like, oh, could it be on this HBO Max thing? And people were like, what's even on it? And it's like a ridiculous amount of stuff. It's like the same thing. It's like HBO, but also like Hanna-Barbera and everything for the DC Universe and everything for Warner Brothers and like random st- and Turner Classic Movies and everything Ted Turner uh, bought and owned for a long time. And it was like, it's just so big and like unshaped that it almost doesn't make any sense. And that's what kind of the Peacock seems to me. Because, like, I'm looking at... They're going to put The Office and Parks and Rec on there, and, like, the one I was kind of excited for was, like, uh, Mindy Kaling's getting an, her own show. And oh. I like... I really love Mindy Kaling's writing, so I'm, like, all for it. But, like, it's a lot of untitled... Punky boost, Burster <laughs> reboot. Untitled oh. Saved by the Bell. Untitled Housewives spinoff, like, uh, and then uh, M- the MacGruber series. You know, it's a whole bunch of stuff that hasn't even been made yet. So it's not like when Disney Plus announced, and it's like, hey, when we announce we're going to have the Star Wars series, it's like the Peacock's like, hey, we're coming out in July, but none of this stuff is
1: even done. Yeah, the release date is pitched to be to coincide with the Summer Olympics. But I feel like most people who are looking for a new streaming service are not really thinking about it in terms of like, it also has like additional because it won't have actual Olympic like the actual Olympic events because they don't have the contracts to do that. So it'll just have like auxiliary content related to the Olympics. And I just don't know if that's going to be enough to push people to subscribe. I no. mean, it also another feature that they're saying that it'll have is that a, like the free tier, it seems uh, there's the reports have been a little bit confusing, as you said, but the free tier seems like it'll have this, uh, like what, how Hulu works now, where NBC shows the next day are on available on Hulu. It seems like the free tier will also have that. Well, that's, uh, but, Hulu, but Hulu will consi- Hulu will actually continue to have NBC shows the next day for at least three years. Because uh, they just renewed that contract. So it's kind of like, I don't feel like this is like when we're talking about like five, six, seven different streaming services that all cost between like $5 and $14. This just doesn't seem essential right now.
0: No. And then and did you see, like, um, I was watching football or they're running ads for NBC. They're saying like, it was... That Zoe's Playlist, it was the show, The Good Girls, is that the one with Christina Hendricks? Uh, yeah. And another show that they were like, guess what? They're all going to be streaming on different things. Like, um, like one of them was like, it's going to be on Hulu and IMDB and this and this and this. All like, before the show aired. But some of them would be after the day after the show aired. It's it's like NBC doesn't know what they're doing.
2: No, it's
1: in in a lot of the news articles that I saw. There were a lot of quotes from the people, like the big executives, who kept saying a lot. So much of our content right now is available on the internet places, but it's not being monetized efficiently. And we feel like this is going to help us monetize our content more efficiently. And like I feel like that's just a really cynical like approach to this sort of thing. And if that's what you're talking about in your press releases, I don't know if that's going to get a lot of people on board. (laughs) Yeah. But if you
0: did that, Um, why would you re up a deal with Hulu for three years?
1: I guess for the transition period, you know, I, who knows they had to, you know, (laughs) Disney had to buy that stake of Hulu away from NBC. So that maybe was like a condition of of the deal for all we know, you know, but um, we're going to have to move on from this. So like, Josh, I want to go to you for final thoughts. Yeah, it just, I mean, that
2: part with Hulu, that sounds like a fallback plan in case it explodes on them. Um, (laughs) But the the whole thing just reminds me mostly of like when a new video game console comes out and there's no new games that anyone wants to play on it. And so it just sits there on the store shelves until, oh, wait, now there's something actually people care about. Like, Like, I'm not saying that Peacock is not going to be, you know, something interesting eventually. But at this point, it just seems really like it's just going to sit there until people find a reason to go to it
0: i think that's going to be football like Mm. until they get the the reruns and the new shows off the ground like so many people i know will have cut the cord and have to find a way to watch football i mean nbc has the big sunday night game like
1: that's what they're going to have to hang their hat on i think yeah unfortunately right now most of the sports packages that all of these networks have signed to do not allow them to use like online streaming rights. So it's like, that's the problem that like ESPN plus is having is like ESPN has all of these rights to all of these sports uh, organizations, but very few of them allow them to put their content on ESPN plus. Eventually that will change. But right now we're in this transitionary period where these services are a lot of promise and potential and not a lot of bang for your buck.
2: It it sounds like you have a wall set up, Alex, with a bunch of strings connecting different streaming services and companies. I cannot follow this at all, but kudos to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just I have my like Harry Matheson string board up. Just. Oh my gosh. And that actually that oh, okay. is a great transition because we're gonna enter into our streaming wars segment. Every month we're gonna check in on the streaming wars and see what service is winning the month. According to us, we're going to go around Robin style and see who we think is doing the best job of winning the streaming wars. Uh, so let's start with Bill this month. Which streaming service do you think won the month?
0: Oh, man. I, I, I'm going to give the edge this month to Netflix because we're talking about the month of January. I think right now, like December definitely was, November, December was definitely Disney Plus because it launched Mandalorian. Um, I look at CBS All Access, you know, since it's kind of getting cut off because I think they just announced 10 million subscribers and Picard is starting. And that's like everyone is shook for that. Uh, but Netflix, man, you end the year with The Witcher. You Season 2 is a mainstream hit. And The Circle is becoming that trashy mainstream water pool fodder that everyone just has to watch.
1: Yeah, we have a, we have an article about that. Headed for the site this week, as a matter of fact.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Yeah, probably by the time this podcast is up, that article will
1: be out. So if we're covering it as reality TV, you know that it must be fuzzy. <laughs> uh, Josh, how about you? Which Which service do you think won the month? Um, The Peacock. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, not the, not the Peacock. <laughs> that your timing on that was that was beautiful. I loved it. I, I try, I try.
2: Um, no, I agree with, with Bill. Um Netflix just has it, I definitely think Disney Plus carried the last couple of months and Netflix has really just taken up um its its stance, just building up its strength of having movies that people really want to watch. Um so even like older uh, older movies, ten years old movies like Inception is now up there, which is Something that I'm definitely going to watch again. Um, and looking at some of the other big things, um, I know there's a lot of buzz around AJ and the Queen, which came out a few mm-hmm. days ago on Netflix. Um, Grace and Frankie just came up, which I know was a huge hit for a lot of people. I
1: um, it. What was that? I said, everybody's mom loves Grace and Frankie.
2: Exactly. And then I know this is this is technically not in our... Uh, our month purview, but then um Sabrina part three is coming out later this month. So I just think it's it's not so much that the other that Netflix is doing a lot, it's just that I don't think a lot of the other ones are doing too much. Yeah and that's so what until the so comes out.
0: <laughs> yeah, and because Disney Plus is literally like, all right, we got nothing for it. they did just drop their twenty twenty trailer uh today. But it was it's literally like, yeah, we got nothing, like we'll release Aladdin just came out. <laughs> <laughs> like, ain't got much else in Amazon Prime's. Like, I think what they got Hunters next month, but yeah, no one's really dropping anything in January. So Netflix is less, like, let's just throw a couple big body shots, like with those shows, and people are going to remember that we're like, we're we're still like the king around
1: here. Yeah, exactly. Well, if we were just talking about original content, I'd probably agree with you that Netflix is leading the month. But the thing that you can't forget is that first line of defense in the streaming wars is waged in the press release circuit and i think this month hulu totally owned the press release circuit uh they announced a huge new deal uh that uh, called fx on hulu i don't know Mm -hmm. if you guys heard about this yes they said they basically rolled out the next like six months of content where they're basically merging fx with hulu and making it a premier destination for premium content uh and it's just so exciting that i think you can't deny that they're the, that they won the week uh, the month just on like anticipation alone I, I mean the, the they took all of the most like exciting and like high profile miniseries from fx and we're just like no that's ours now <laughs> and then they also announced that every Actual FX show is going to be airing on Hulu the very next day. So basically, like, forget FX. No one ever needs to turn on that channel anymore. All of your FX related content is going to be on Hulu for you to access. And I think that that just owns. Like, I think there's nothing better than that right now. Well, that's
0: why you're the TV editor, man. You you got (laughs) the took us to the next level. Now, my question to you is that that was a little confusing to me because it's like FX on Hulu. It was like, okay, is FX going to stop being a channel? But Is Debs the big show you're talking about with Nick Offerman?
1: I have a list of all of the shows that they announced that are going to be FX on Hulu. And what that means is basically like FX as a brand is now going to exist as a channel and also as a channel within Hulu, like as a hub. The way that kind of like on Disney Plus, you have like the Marvel hub and the Star Wars hub and the National Geographic hub. Hulu is going to start being structured in a similar way. And the first hub that they are announcing is FX on Hulu. And so it'll have all of the shows that are currently airing on the broadcasting network. And then it will have shows exclusive to Hulu, which are shows that are kind of like higher budget for the most part. And like with like bigger stars and bigger names. And they seem like they're going to be mostly miniseries. And so that includes the show that you said, Devs, which comes uh, from Alex Garland. It stars Nick Offerman. The trailer is online now. It looks really great. Alex Garland, if you don't know. Director of Annihilation and um, Ex Machina, he's like one of the premium like sci-fi high-concept filmmakers right now, and that show looks totally in line with all of that stuff. Um, there's also a show coming in April called Mrs. America, which is directed by Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck, who directed uh, Captain Marvel, uh, mm-hmm. and that show is all about second-wave feminism in the 1970s, and mm-hmm. its cast is just like totally insane. It has people like Elizabeth Banks and Kate Blanchett and Rose Byrne and Uzo Duba, who you might know from Orange is the New Black. Mm -hmm. uh, And just like the list goes on and on and on. Uh, James Marsden, Marco Martindale, Melanie Linsky, like every character, actor or actress that you at all are interested in is probably on this show somewhere. (laughs) Um, And then there's also like smaller things like John Watts has a show that's going to be on. John Watts, director of Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home. He has a show called The Old Man, which is like a CIA show that's going to be starring John Lithgow and Jeff Bridges. (laughs) And that's going to be on FX on Hulu. And then also there's like a um, there was this there was this indie movie from a couple years ago called A Teacher, which is all about like a teacher who ends up in a relationship with one of her teenage students. Uh, And the creator of that is bringing that over as a as a miniseries starring Kate Mara. Um, And Nick Robinson. So that's like totally star-studded, a real diversity of different topics and different time periods and different genres, but all really high premium content that is coming within the next few months, all exclusive to Hulu. Like, I think that they are going to end up running a train on like the Emmys come this September (laughs) (laughs) with all of this stuff.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, that's um, that sounds amazing. Like, I, I did not know they would go that far with that, and that's so. That's not also. I mean, did they say that any of that would be rolled into Disney Plus? Because I mean, Disney well, does own so FX. They,
1: so Disney Plus has like Disney is offering a bundle where you can subscribe to Hulu. Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus, all for one flat rate. Oh, okay, um, so they're not
0: com- com- they're not incorporating that into the
1: disney plus platform no they are like they're creating like hard differentiating lines between those three uh between those three streaming services so that way they can offer it to all of like like if you or me would probably be interested in all three of those services but say you don't like sports you don't need to have espn plus you don't need to worry about espn plus if you only want family focused stuff and you don't want your kids to have access to Atlanta by accident because you don't know how to set up parental controls, mm. then you don't get Hulu. You just have, you have Disney plus. So that's kind of this, the idea they want. Each, each streaming service is priced at a lower rate than most streaming services are. Uh, but they have a more distinct identity instead of doing the Netflix model where it's just like everything is in one pot. Um, and you just like, hope for the best
0: (laughs) and and that's like as like bringing it back to the peacock because it's all about the peacock on this episode is uh (laughs) it's there's a there's a focus there's like a through line like everything you said it's like it's going to be that like what fx kind of became known for is like that high high production value acting driven director driven type of series like, and yeah. instead of it just being like, here's everything. Like I said, it, it there's a very there's like a definitive through line, and that like I like the devs trailer alone. If you tell me every series is going to be like not sci fi, but it's going to be
1: of this quality, I'm sold. Yeah, it will be. Like the the CEO of FX uh, has been talking about the fact that their FX on Hulu programs have a significant higher budget than their broadcasting shows do just because they're getting infused with Hulu money. So they're ha- they have access to resources that they wouldn't otherwise have. So I think they all will look that good going forward, which is really exciting. And my final question for you on this is, did they say where f- the new season of Fargo is going to end up? The new season of Fargo will be on FX, because, but available the next day on Hulu.
0: Yeah, because people are really excited to see Chris Rock in that in yeah. that role. So
1: that that's a big one. Yeah, that's coming in April as well. I think April is going to be a huge month for Hulu. And I don't see anybody on the horizon really challenging them for that. So Well I
2: actually wanted to ask if that was gonna be taking up the same lane as Apple T V Plus now. Because I see a lot of the same kind of jockeying for position there.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well it's you know, I think that Apple T V plus, that is that was what their pitch was originally. They were saying, like, we're not gonna have a ton of content, but all of our content is gonna be very it's going to be star driven. It's going to be really high budget, high quality. Um, and so far, you know, uh, I think that it's notable that none of us even mentioned it until just now for this segment. <laughs> I,
2: I, I definitely. Have, d- yeah. I wouldn't have mentioned it if I just hadn't seen a thousand commercials for it while I was watching football. Yeah. So.
0: It's yeah. like, like they're really hammered home during, during football. And I'm like, man, this is the wrong crowd. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But yeah, no, I mean, they, they want to be in this conversation, but so far it's been, you know, they have a show that just came out called Little America, which has like a really exciting cat, uh, creative force behind the camera, like the Camell Mangiani and Emily V. Gordon, who wrote and directed the Big Sick, a film from a few years ago. And that's which also, a sh- and, and that show is also, yes, exactly, which is great. Um, and then, and also Alan Yang is part of that show, who is one half of, Master of None, um, and helped uh, create Forever on Amazon a few years ago. So he's like really big on streaming uh, related properties, and yeah, the three of them came together to make this show. And it's like seems like a very interesting show. It's gotten a lot of good critical attention. I haven't heard a single person talk about it in my actual life, though, because mm-hmm. I think people still don't really know how to even watch Apple TV Plus. Like it's like, well, I bought an iPhone <laughs> in the last few months, so I guess I have it. I don't know. like, So, yeah, that's that's the problem with Apple TV Plus right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I updated my MacBook Pro, you know, software, and then all of a sudden, like, like the Apple TV icon has been downloaded, and I'm like, but I don't get this service for free. I still have to pay for it. <laughs> I mean, I now have access to the screeners, but, like, which you do as well, Alex. But it was like, yeah. like, the shows, like, look decent, but at the same time, I'm like, man, I'm not like, this isn't blowing me away with like, I got to run out and spend more money to see all these shows
1: for that. Like they're basically programming like HBO would program, which is like, you know, you have a couple of shows every few months, but you can't like, no, well, I guess now people would like subscribe to HBO now just to have access to HBO. But when they're having access to HBO, it's, the current shows that are airing and then all of the old shows from HBO. And then like all of the movies that HBO has and Apple TV isn't offering a back catalog or a film catalog at all. So it's really, I don't think it's really worth it for most people. That's why they're basically giving it away for free right now, hoping to just have subscribers that, will forget to cancel it once their free year runs out. <laughs> yeah, I'll,
2: I'll wait for Apple to directly Bluetooth it into my brain. It's not worth it right now.
1: Apple- That's coming in 2024, I think.
0: <laughs> Apple T- Apple TV Plus is the new YouTube record on your iPod. There we go.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, uh, speaking of mysterious forces influencing your thoughts. Uh, <laughs> that <we're- laughs> is very, very well done, sir
2: what a transition
1: (laughs) we're talking about the outsider for our new show spotlight section uh of the podcast so uh what did you guys think we were only talking about the first two episodes those are the episodes that aired last sunday um so as we're recording this a new episode is currently airing we're not discussing that episode three um but so bill what were your first thoughts on the outsider as a show like what were you thinking going into it and it's like it's kind of got like a weird uh, creative team where it's richard price who is the guy behind the night before and he's written a lot of crime fiction a very serious very grounded uh crime novelist uh and that's mixed with stephen king who is you know i mean he can be serious sometimes but most of his stuff has a lot of supernatural craziness going on so they're kind of an interesting odd couple for a tv show and of course uh jason bateman is the star of the first two hours, um, at least, and the director of those episodes.
0: serves as a producer, uh, executive producer throughout.
1: Yeah, so that's a really interesting kind of mix of creative talent. Uh, How did that work for you over two episodes?
0: So originally I was, uh, and I'll give a little shout out to another series before I get into this, was, um, you know, Sunday nights is Doctor Who night for me. I love Doctor Who, and that was another recommendation, like, Witcher just beat it out, is this is a very great, a great season of Doctor Who happening right now, we're reviewing it every week on the site. So I was like, well, you know what, I'll give the first episode a shot, and if it's okay, I'll probably, if, it's, if it sucks, I'll just drop it, go back to Doctor Who, no problem. Well, I could tell you Doctor Who's on DVR, because this show <laughs> really, um, I was intrigued because... I do like Jason Bateman. I like Ben Mendelsohn, who's one of the stars, Cynthia Revo, And like, I, all I hear is, I haven't seen much with her in it, but I hear great things about her. Just got the nomination for Harriet. Um, and Stephen King hasn't done wrong by me yet. I mean, i loved loved um, the first, se- I really liked the first season of Castle Rock. The first part of season two was pretty good. I didn't finish it yet. And uh, so I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Kind of had like a, almost a little bit of a true detective vibe to it as well. And, uh, Man, I was blown away by it. Uh, to me, it it's just this really... i trying to put it the best way. It's basically like, True Detective and a whole bunch of Stephen King shit happened and they got together, had a baby, and it's this show. And I have to give a lot of credit to the direction of the first show uh, and that's Jason Bateman because he helped make a blueprint for this show of... It's a very intriguing crime drama and there's this subtle air of just awful and horror behind it. And he does these simple things like long camera shots, like is something watching us, something not watching us using like a, so, like I'm getting chills thinking about this one scene where they're all getting ready for court in one scene. It's like a, uh, one violin playing frantically. He knows how to build attention tension in this. And um, I was on the edge of my seat for a lot of what was going to happen. Um, and they've, Built a very intriguing story of here's this incontrovertible, controversial, incontrovertible evidence that the, of a crime, and then another set of incontrovertible facts is counter to that. What the hell is going on? And I just think they've created a very tense show that you have to know if you have to find out what's going on. Like I've had like people I know like texting me like all caps, what is happening? Oh my God. Like, you know, just after rec- recommending the show to people, like it's going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be HBO has done it again. and has found another show to just become your new obsession.
1: Uh, Josh, what did you think about the show? The First two episodes.
2: I would have to agree with pretty much everything Bill said. I, I've read a good, bit of Stephen King. I have not read, Uh, The Outsider, which the miniseries is based on. Um, But no, I was I was pleasantly surprised by it. Uh, I know, Bill, that you liked that. I saw that you gave a a really positive review um, Mm. before I watched it. And I think the performances are just so good. And uh, Ben Mendelsohn, I I first saw him on Bloodlines on Netflix. And ever since then, I I forgot about that show. Yeah I and I've loved him on everything I've seen him in. He was great in Rogue One, he was good in um Captain Marvel and he's he's really awesome in this and I I always am surprised by Jason Bateman. He's he I always think of arrested development when I see him, but he is a very good dramatic actor and he also is apparently a great director. So um yeah, I was just really really impressed by it and you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to want to keep watching, but And by the time I got to the end of the second episode, it's like, Oh, now I have to keep watching.
1: Yeah. So I, for me, I have to be a little bit of a dissenting voice here. I didn't love it as much as you guys did. Um, I'll start with some of the things that I did like though. I do agree that the direction is really good. This show looks amazing. It is so well cast. Yeah, Like it has so many great character actors in the parts like that in like small parts, big parts. Like I love, I always love seeing Bill camp. And Julianne Nicholson, like, she's so good. She never gets, like, interesting things to do. And I'm not sure this is an interesting thing for her to do, but I'm happy to see her do it. Um, and I'm most excited to see Ben Mendelsohn in this role because I think he's a tremendously talented actor. Mm-hmm. And I feel like over the last five years, Hollywood has just mercilessly typecast him as, like, corporate evil villain baddie guy like he's just always the bad guy like every blockbuster of like maybe like (laughs) over the span of like three or four years and it's just like all right he can do more things and this show lets him be just a person who has like a complicated backstory and who really cares about his job and who just like wants to do the right thing even when like the pressures of the outside world want him to do the wrong thing. And that's like a character that I just haven't seen him play in a long time. And I'm really happy to see him get the chance to do that. Um, I have to say though, I was kind of with the show for the first episode. I was like, Oh, this is like an interesting mystery. Uh, Like it seemed, it really seems like Jason Bateman didn't do it, but all of the evidence points to how that he did. And I love that the way that that first, the first half of the first episode unveils where you're just kind of like, and very quickly, you you're in a place where Ben Mendelsohn is like on his way to uh, to arrest Jason Bateman. You're like, wait, what happened? And then you just slowly get all of the, you slowly get all of the, um, like the flashbacks to what, like the pieces that led him to that certainty that he had. So you start out feeling a lot like Jason Bateman where you're just like, why are they rushing to judgment? And then just like piece after piece after piece in flashback as the procession to, to arrest him occurs in real time, just makes you feel more and more and more like Ben Mendelsohn, where you're just like, okay, there's just no possible way that he didn't do it. And then the second half of that episode is like, well, maybe he really didn't do it though. Like what's going on. But I just kind of don't like it when you set up this very interesting mystery. And then the answer is, a demon did it, I guess. (laughs) I just think that's kind of disappointing. Because it's like, once it's like, oh, it's it's magic, then it's like, oh, well, this was like a very realistic kind of story that I thought I was watching. And now it's just kind of like, not at all, because now it no longer exists in our world. And that kind of is disappointing to me. I mean, it's a Stephen King story. So I guess that's kind of on me for not realizing that we were headed down that road. But I was a little disappointed after they did such a great job building it up and building it up and like really making you feel like the town was like a real place and the characters were real people to then just be like, the mystery is actually magic.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely I, I, I could feel you on that. But I guess when you get to the whole thing of, well, he's... In one place, then they have the evidence that he's in another place. Where else could they go unless he had a twin brother? You know what I mean? Like
1: that uh, might have been a place where they went. I like flash back to that <laughs> Simpsons episode where like there's like a second Bart trapped in the attic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically, you get the you you get the Spider-Man scene where everyone's pointing at each other. Um, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I totally get where like because the way they built up and like the, everything is grounded in realism until the guy in the hood and sweatshirt shows up, then it's like, oh god, demons. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, um, and I think things start going down the, the demon route and I think the show when Cynthia Revo arrives, because I think the show is gonna evolve into Ben Mendelssohn's belief that he's gonna be challenged. Like he's like so hardened by this death of his kid. That he can't believe in an afterlife, or can't believe in an alternate reality, or his or, like. There's something about him where like something's dead inside of him, and they need it, that to be reawoken in order to save the day, or like just to believe in this case, or something like that. I think that's where they're going to go down that path, because at least that's what the trailer suggests. But there, there was another show that like was on. I don't know. It's like. Outlander. That is definitely not the show. Um <laughs> that, <laughs> sorry, that, that I,
1: I, does involve magic
0: though. It, it does and the word out. <laughs> yes, it does. Um is a show hold on pull it up one second. It reminds me a little bit of a show called Outcast. Sorry, that was it. Uh, with Patrick Fusion. How could you have gotten that confused? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dad and have had a long day. That's why. And I'm not drinking. I'll remember better when I drink. Um sorry, that's the Irish in me. Um it's so Outcast was on Cinemax, and it was started start off very similar, similarly, where it's, like, there's this mystery, and, like, all this stuff, and it, it starts there, and then it devolves into demons. And that, to me, like, I saw, I watched that whole first series, and that was done, um, that was by the guys who did The Walking Dead. And, um, it, 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 it like, it devolved as a show. It wasn't good. Because that's, like, that was the reveal of Oh, demons! And this ended up—I think the way they did what Outsider did—it's both funny. They both were out in it. Um, the way Outsider did it, I think, is much more subtle. I think the subtlety might wear off eventually, but I think this is much more subtle. And I, I think there's a much more of an element of, of horror and terror to it, and suspense, like it's a really good thriller, in my opinion. But also, I have to say that one scene—the courthouse <clears throat> scene—is absolutely. Rooted in reality and absolutely devastating. Definitely.
1: But then it's like, like, but then they cut to the guy in the background walking away and you're like, oh, he controlled the kid, I guess, to do that. And it's like, now how do you invest in the emotions that you just saw? Is that's like my issue with it? Like, and I really don't mind a story that is based in a heightened reality. Like I liked that the first season of Castle Rock I watched and I like really liked as well. I thought it was very good. And that whole world was a very heightened world. And you knew that from really the beginning. And they Mm. were really interesting characters that felt real inside a heightened world. But this, it feels like a fully real world that then it's just like, like when you set up a mystery, it's like, oh, I want to figure it out. I want to solve it. And then it's like, well, I couldn't possibly solve it if it was a demon that did it. You know, (laughs) like I'm never going to jump to that. That's crazy. So that's that's.
2: yeah. That's such a Stephen King way of approaching it though. Like it it's it's so similar to if you look at something like the Green Mile, where that's pretty rooted in, okay, there's this there's prison, it's pretty dark, you know, there's not much to it, and then kind of weaves its magical way into things. And I think that's just a, a Stephen King approach to to thrillers and it's a little off-putting at times. I guess I've just gotta desensitize to it. I think
0: that was also for I'm me, the, to, the mystery is... I'm willing to
1: give it another, I'm giving it another episode. I feel like I need to just readjust my expectations for what I'm watching. And I, and then I'm going to like, try to be a little bit more open to the idea because I do agree. It's so well acted. It's so well cast. It's so well directed. And there is something compelling about it. It just, it feels like the show, like, I don't know if you guys remember for the first season of true detective. Yes. Um, Where there was just like every episode, it was just like this kind of, like it was just building and building to like this fever pitch pitch among the fandom of like, who's the yellow King? What's the yellow King? Like, is it? And it's like, this show is for people who wanted the yellow King to be magic in true detective. That's a <laughs> like, and I'm the viewer who was like, no, of course he wasn't going to be magic. Like, it's just about how awful people are. And that's like, and that's what I want to watch is a show about how awful people are. Uh, so if you really, if you wanted it to be magic, this is definitely the show for you.
0: <laughs> yeah it, it definitely has that first jesus sorry it just is just funny but i guess for me the mystery is why this town why this family because it seems to be like right now at least it's like um right now it's focused on the two families jason Bateman's yeah. family and uh, uh freddie's family peterson the petersons it seems to be focused on them i think conspiracy theory Remember when he's in the strip club, which my wife thinks is the worst name for a strip club ever, the Peach Crease? Holy shit. Uh, that was <laughs> I, I want I wanted to just take a bath after even saying it. Um, that um, So the guy who runs it is Patty Considine. And you don't have Patty Considine, who people call, like, who's been nicknamed the Irish De Niro. Like, you don't put him, a guy who's ha- who has, besides Hot fuzz, has, like, a lot of big acclaimed, like dramatic roles, like and been in Oscar talks before, possibly nominated for an Oscar, I can't remember. Um, you don't put him in this series to have like a couple lines as the bouncer at, at the Peach Grease. Like, I have a feeling when they talk about how Jason Bateman got scratched, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a scene where he gets bumped by Jason Bateman and I'm like, okay, has this been passed on to him? Like, that's my thought. Is this something like Jason Bateman's family and the other family was singled out? Or is this something like this weird demon ring where people get infected by it and they start being taken over and weird shit starts happening? Like, I'm interested in seeing where that mystery unfolds. Yeah, I think that's really what's the
2: most compelling part about it is, okay, we know there's something magical or... Um, you know, otherworldly happening, but what exactly is it, and how does it connect all of these
0: characters? Turns out, it's just one giant ad for the peacock. Of course, I should have seen it coming. Of course.
1: All right, guys. Well, Alex was <laughs> like,
0: like, "No, after that joke, we're done." And <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> the podcast right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to hear more about what Bill thinks about the Outsider, you can follow our weekly coverage of the show. Right, Bill absolutely
0: i'll be watching it tonight
1: and hopefully writing it tonight if not tomorrow morning uh where can we find everybody on the internet josh let's start with you any plugs
2: um you can find me on twitter at josh reiki you won't find much there at the moment but you'll find me there um now i will be writing much more for the the pop break um coming soon um as alex you mentioned i'm now going to be a a TV columnist writing a monthly piece called the couch potato, where I'll be just analyzing um, something related to TV each month. So um, I'll be sure to tweet those out and then always can find that on the pop break.
1: What you do next over there? Really looking forward to it. Uh, Bill, how about you? Um, other than the outsider, do you want to plug anything else?
0: Well, so I am the editor in chief of the site. So if you want to check out my personal Twitter, which basically is just like, me talking about wrestling it's at bodkin rights um but most importantly what i'd like you to do and this is when i get into the business end of things every day go check out the pop we've got great stuff from alex and josh and all sorts of people uh for film tv music comic books video games anime and pro wrestling um you check us out every day at popbreak.com on twitter forward slash pop all spelled out on facebook at uh, the pop break on Instagram. As for me personally, uh, I'm going to be part of a team writing the doc- uh, a review of Doctor Who every week. I'm going to be doing um, the Outsider every week, uh, and then you can usually find me writing about wrestling, whether it's Monday Night Raw or AEW Dynamite. Um, pretty much every couple times a month. And um, I will be doing a lot of podcasting coming up. I will be on the Bob culture podcast doing a Royal rumble preview predictions. We're going to be doing a Grammys prediction panel. And then I've got um, hopefully a couple other ones in the works. When will you sleep? Dude, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really sleep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. As for me, you can follow me at media thinkings on Twitter and letterboxd uh, Letterbox film, social networking site where I talk all about, movies that i've been watching and i have lots of fun lists over there you can also follow another podcast of mine if you like movies and addiction to tv you can uh check out my podcast called cinema joe's which is available on spotify and apple Podcasts, google podcasts anchor all those places uh we're also on twitter and instagram at cinema joe's uh thanks guys for doing this this was a lot of fun let's do it again next month
0: see you Sounds good